Hey beauties, I'm Megan Noreen, your resident womb witch and cyclical guide. I invite you on a journey with me through the landscape of cycle awareness, social justice, and spirituality as we follow the embodied path of womb, earth, and moon. Welcome to Lunarscape. Our cycle news today is that there is now an inclusive definition of menstrual health. A paper published under the title Menstrual Health, a Definition for Policy, Practice, and Research was published on April 29th, led by the Terminology Action Group of the Global Menstrual Collective. So I'm going to just read out the entire definition of menstrual health and then point out all of the places that it is taking forward the movement of menstruation and the awareness. Definition of menstrual health. Menstrual health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity in relation to the menstrual cycle. Achieving menstrual health implies that women, girls, and all other people who experience a menstrual cycle throughout their life course are able to 1. Access accurate, timely, age-appropriate information about the menstrual cycle, menstruation, and changes experienced throughout the life course as well as related self-care and hygiene practices. 2. Care for their bodies during menstruation such that their preferences, hygiene, comfort, privacy, and safety are supported. This includes accessing and using effective and affordable menstrual materials and having supportive facilities and services, including water, sanitation, and hygiene services for washing the body and hands, changing menstrual materials, and cleaning and or disposing of used materials. Three, access timely diagnosis, treatment, and care for menstrual cycle-related discomforts and disorders, including access to appropriate health services and resources, pain relief, and strategies for self-care. Four, experience a positive and respectful environment in relation to the menstrual cycle, free from stigma and psychological distress, including the resources and support they need to confidently care for their bodies and make informed decisions about self-care throughout their menstrual cycle. And five, decide whether and how to participate in all spheres of life, including civil, cultural, economic, social, and political, during all phases of the menstrual cycle free from menstrual-related exclusion, restriction, discrimination, coercion, and or violence. So looking through this definition, I see places in which I was not provided menstrual health when I was growing up and even at points in time in the present. So realizing that we have quite a far way to go as far as being really able to embody this definition of menstrual health. And then also realizing, probably for those of us listening to this podcast, how privileged we really are, that a lot of these points we are able to access and that the majority of the world is not able to access. 
So a lot of things like the comfort, privacy, and safety, and the things like hygiene and sanitation, and being in an environment that is free from stigma and psychological distress. So looking at this definition and seeing how it is embracing a more holistic view of the menstrual cycle. It's talking about meeting the physical, mental, and social needs that we have, and not just while we're bleeding, but in every phase of the cycle. And it's being more inclusive. It is stating women, girls, and all other people who experience a menstrual cycle, recognizing that not all who bleed identify as a woman. And so this is really hopeful that the way the menstrual health movement is moving forward to becoming more inclusive, more holistic, and there is something like a benchmark that we are working towards to really understand what the state of menstrual health looks like. And then being able to see in which spaces in our own lives, in which communities in the world are a lot of these things lacking and how can we be an advocate for creating spaces of menstrual health for all people who bleed in the world. Hey everyone. So I know it's been a while since I have come on here on Lunarscape and um, updated with another podcast and I have to admit is because again I was being really self-conscious of the quality because it is now hot season here in India and there is a lot of um, background noise keeping the windows open and the fans working and uh, I just couldn't really figure out how to get the quality sounding the way I wanted to to put out the podcast but I finally did find an app that is noise canceling and it seems to be working um, really, really good. You might still hear a few, you know, background noise, especially loud honks from the cars, but uh, hopefully it's a much better listening experience than it would be without it. So without further ado, let's dive into our episode today. I will... Yeah, start by sharing my cycle check-in. I am cycle day 25 today, which is usually one of my uh, more notorious days for being really uh, ragey and irritable and frustrated. But um, uh, my cycle is going to be a bit longer this time because I had a delayed population because I was sick with COVID at the beginning of my cycle. So that has been an interesting um, experience, I guess, like getting, I got sick with COVID at the end of my last cycle and into my bleed of this cycle. And it caused enough stress in my body that my body was not prepared to ovulate at the time that it usually does. So uh, yeah, sitting here, cycle day 25, um, looking at probably another six or seven days in my cycle. So I'm feeling actually quite, quite well today. Um, yeah, here in the beginnings of my inner autumn and have some energy to complete some tasks, which is why I am here, you know, recording this podcast. So yeah, the 
topic I'm bringing with you today, period pain. And I know that there is a large majority of you that are very familiar with this topic. And so hopefully today through some of these things that I share that there will be some insights and uh, ways to move forward for you that uh, will be supportive for your cycle and for your pain if you do experience that. So just to share a little bit about my personal story with period pain, I first got my period, you know, back when I was uh, 13 and pretty much immediately experienced excruciating pain to the point that I was passing out, I was vomiting, um, I was throwing up sometimes. Uh, I remember, you know, a few times in particular, I got my period at school. Luckily, it was the last period, the last, the last period of school <laughs> that was getting my period. Um, and I felt so sick that I couldn't walk. Um, I couldn't like get up from my desk. And um, my, my boyfriend and my partner at the time actually had to carry me home because I only lived a couple blocks away from the school. And I remember another time that I was in church and my period came and these intense, intense pains uh, and cramps that I couldn't, I couldn't walk again. And I had to leave church early, but I had to crawl out um, I was able to walk out of the church where everybody um, saw me, but as soon as I got out the door, I had to fall to the ground and crawl my way home. Luckily, the church was across the street from my house, so I didn't have to crawl very long, but still, it, um, yeah, it really affected the way that I was able to, to move and be in the world. And then when I became, um, you know, sexually active a few years later, I went on birth control. And then um, at that point, I thought like birth control was my savior. You know, it took away all of my pain and I didn't really have any side effects. And um, yeah, like lived this life without period pain. And it was beautiful and wonderful. And also led me into living very linearly and burning out later on. But since that's not the um, topic of this podcast, I'll just stick to the period pain part. So then uh, 14 years later, you know, I was on birth control for 14 years. And finally, you know, when I was awakening to my own um, power and my connection to my cycle, and realizing that the birth control pill was not supporting that and getting in tune with my own natural rhythms and my natural fertility and um, yeah, stopped taking them. And the period pain came back the very next cycle. Um, yeah, I didn't have, luckily, you know, my period came right back, my ovulation came right back and I'm very grateful for that. But also with that came the pain. So that was, gosh, when I was 29 and I am 36 now for the last seven years, um, I've been sort of having this relationship with my pain and figuring out, um, you know, ways to relate with the pain that 
um, yeah, moving through the ways of not seeing myself as, as broken, which I'll get into more later. And that has been um, a big journey for me, especially doing this work that I'm doing, being, you know, a cyclical living guy, being a womb witch and, you know, still struggling with my own stories of period pain. But I'll also share a little bit later on about the steps I have taken and how much my pain has uh, reduced that most cycles it is within a normal, uh, a normal range. So yeah, before we get into those things, I set up a series of polls just really informally on my Instagram stories to ask people how they experience um, pain and what what that was like for them. So I'm just going to go through some of these questions and give you an idea of how others, um, others in the community are also experiencing and relating to their pain. So uh, the first question I asked was, do you experience period pain every or almost every cycle? And 67% of people said yes, and 33% said no. Now, I didn't ask if those people saying no were on any sort of hormonal contraceptives or if they weren't. So that, that number may be um, influencing that, those percentages. And then the second one I asked was, have you been diagnosed with uh, endometriosis, endoniosis, fibroids, or something else that would cause painful periods? And 20% said yes, and 80% said no. So you can see the, the flip there that a lot more people are experiencing pain than have been um, diagnosed with something that um, would be the reason for that pain. And the next one I asked was, do you believe that a pain-free period is possible? And the, these numbers really surprised me actually when 87% of the people said yes and 13% said no. So there's a much higher percentage of people that um, you know experience pain, but actually believe it's possible to have a pain-free period, which um, shows a lot of shows a lot of hope in the community, um, which I think is really beautiful. And yeah, the next question I asked was how how has your period pain negatively affected your life? And I had a lot of people saying how difficult it was to work when um, they were feeling pain, you know, and a few people talking about how they were experiencing that really intense pain of passing out and vomiting and not being able to move and um, needing to lay down and how, how truly difficult that is when you are expected to show up to work for eight hours a day and there isn't any leniency. So um, yeah, I thought I could just bring in here, like, how do we talk? to people about our period pain? How do we bring the conversation up at our workplaces, with our family, just to um, bring the awareness that how difficult it is to move and function when um, we are in pain and maybe some grace we can receive from our work and from our family um, that we're, that we would be invited into dropping some responsibilities and, um, allowing people to take care of us, um, for a change. So 
Yeah, I think one of the things is really important about building up support systems um, and not just support systems, you know, communities and people around you, but support systems within. So how can you support your own um, ability to feel comfortable and confident with your cycle that you could share that and not really be shaken by any reactions, but really be rooted and stand firm um, in your beliefs about uh, your cycle and how you need supported in that. But then also support systems um, from without. So communities of people that could be there that you can lean on that will help you to um, know how to advocate for yourself um, during your period when you're experiencing pain and really speaking your needs um, during that time that can be a lot easier if you know there's there's somebody there, you know, hands at your back holding you up, um, ready to support you in yeah, just um, declaring what you need to others. And, you know, there might be a way that you can um, drop in the conversation of menstruation just casually. Uh, if there is a casual conversation happening at work, maybe in the break room or with, you know, just one other coworker, and there is a way that it fits naturally into the conversation and you say something about, oh yeah, that happens, you know, when I'm on my period or, you know, and the more that we can drop in these um, conversations and not make a big deal about it, you know, make it um, that it's just as normal as anything else as, you know, what we ate for lunch or um, yeah, having all of these, you know, conversations around topics that have been uh, labeled taboo, the more we can normalize them and really just allow them to flow out of our mouth without putting any emphasis or making a big deal about them, we'll really, um, yeah, start to change the culture and allowing, um, talking about period pain and menstruation a bit more normal that it could become you know, a conversation with the whole workplace or with your whole family um, from that point. And something I find really interesting is here in, here in India, where I live, um, menstrual leave has become um, a part of some mainstream conversations and some really large companies, uh, Zomato being one uh, in particular, which is a a food delivery company has adopted period leave and menstrual leave for people um, to take. And I think that's like a, a beautiful thing. And, you know, it started from the grassroots, from a lot of um, menstrual activists working in the grassroots, on the ground, um, and it has built over the years. And since I've been here in the menstrual activist space for so long, I have seen the buildup growing and how it has become a normal conversation. Um, that people are having. So there is hope, you know, we all start somewhere and it can lead to big changes in the future if we just keep, um, yeah, just normalizing it like anything else. And yeah, then the other thing is we can really like, we can show our work, what other companies are doing and how they have adopted things. And hopefully they are compassionate people and they really care about their employees. I understand that that's not the case for some people, but hopefully um, that is for you and that they will understand how difficult it really is to, to work if we're having, you know, excruciating pain or pain um, 
And even like, if you don't have pain, but just the, you know, the more fatigue and exhaustion that you have during um, menstruation. And maybe there is some compromises that you can come to with your work. Maybe they allow you to take day one and two off or just day one for you to rest. And then you tell them, you know, during my inner summer, during my ovulation time, I can stay for an extra hour um, every day to sort of make up for the time that you, um, you know, weren't there during the beginning of your period. And so maybe some, some companies or organizations would be opening to have that conversation with you and, you know, um, inviting people in to the workplaces and organizations that can teach cyclical living and really understanding the the times where our our superpowers are to work longer hours and get more things done and be more creative and productive and how at some other points you know while we're bleeding especially if we are in pain you know that's that invitation really is to rest and take care of ourselves and that's Hopefully that would lead to us staying on in the company and the organization longer because we wouldn't be burning out. And so I know, you know, some of these conversations are a bit disappointing because we are still living in this culture that is very much focused on capitalism and productivity and getting things done. And, you know, our work, our worth is only in the hours that we are at work and producing and, um, hopefully some of these things, uh, will start to just bring small changes and as frustrating as it might be starting with some compromises and, um, just dropping in the conversation is really, um, yeah, it's really that like ripple, you know, like you throw the stone in the, in the lake and it's the beginning of the ripples that move out further and further and, um, hope that it is changing the culture on a larger scale. Um, yeah, so before I dive into more of like the, um, the medical side of period pain, what it is, what we can do to try and, um, alleviate some of it, I will just give a short medical disclaimer that I myself am not, uh, a doctor and anything I share here on this podcast is for educational purposes and, if there is something you want to take and make a change, um, then please speak to your healthcare providers for doing that. Um, and just a reminder that you are your own advocate and don't be scared if you are meeting with a doctor or your healthcare provider, if they are belittling your symptoms, um, if they are not validating your experiences, um, yeah, it is okay to leave that doctor and really seek out what you need. And again, that comes back to having those support systems within yourself that you can be grounded and rooted and knowing what you need when you are meeting with a doctor and also the support systems around you that can really um, lend a hand and uh, help you advocate for yourself for that. So what is period pain? I think um, one thing I want to point out before we dive in a little deeper into this is that PMS and cramps are two different um, physiological events. They are not the same thing. So PMS is premenstrual 
Um, so that comes in the inner autumn of your season of your cycle. And that is before your bleed comes. And, you know, those feelings of um, food cravings, irritability, mood swings, um, you know, I'll do a whole another episode just on PMS, but um, that is not the same as cramps. Then when you have cramps that come during your bleed, that's no longer your premenstrual um, phase. That is your menstrual phase. And it is a completely different event that is run by, you know, PMS is run by um, your hormones. Your hormones are telling your body what to do. And that's how, why you're experiencing some of those things in PMS. And, you know, cramps are very much um, about what's happening with your actual uterus um, at that time, which I'll go into more detail. So the medical term for period pain or menstrual cramps is called dysmenorrhea. And this next bit is from Laura Bryden. And if you're not familiar with her, her book, um, The Period, uh, period Repair Manual has been really helpful for me. And um, finding some, some ways to um, heal certain aspects of my cycle. So I do recommend that book for anybody interested. And um, she breaks it down into um, normal period pain, which is called a primary dysmenorrhea. So normal period pain is just like a little bit of cramping. Maybe you feel heaviness. Um, maybe you have a bit of pain, like a bit of cramping in your back but you're still able to, um, you're still able to function your normal daily activities. You know, you can still walk around, you can still, um, yeah, basically just, um, function with your day. You know, you might be a bit slower and you might be a bit more tired and you might sleep some more, but, um, that's all considered normal period pain and, um, normal period pain is, is caused by the release of prostaglandins in your uterus. And so this is sort of like a pain um, receptor and it helps in the uh, contracting of the uterus to then be able to shed the lining. And the way that um, it causes the uterus to contract can cause those normal amounts of cramping. And the problem becomes if your body is holding more inflammation and the more inflammation you have, the more prostaglandins will be present. So therefore you will be experiencing more intense cramps because there are more prostaglandins causing um, the contractions on your uterus. And uh, one indicator of this, if you're curious, if you have more prostaglandins that are functioning in your body is if you experience um, loose stool or diarrhea while you are cramping. So, you know, the day before your bleed or day one of your bleed and in your period, if you are exp experiencing more of um, loose bowel movements and diarrhea, that's probably a pretty good indicator that um, your prostaglandins are high and you, you might have more inflammation in your body. So, um, Laura, shares some ways to um, reduce normal period pain. Um, so if you're just, you know, experiencing that very mild um, cramping, then some things you can try are a dairy-free diet, um, 
magnesium, upping magnesium in your diet or supplementing, upping zinc in your diet, um, turmeric, and finding ways to reduce inflammation. So reducing stress and reducing inflammation in your body. And if you try some of those things um, or all of those things and you're, you don't notice any um, reduction in your normal period pain, then it's likely there is something else going on that's possibly endometriosis, um, fibroid cyst, um, edemiosis. And so then that leads into severe period pain, which is secondary dysmenorrhea. And that is sort of this throbbing, burning, searing, stabbing pain, um, you know, that can last for many days, you know, if it lasts for your entire cycle, if it shows up at different times in your cycle, you're experiencing um, intense cramps, um, that, that's probably a sign of something else going on. If you take um, ibuprofen and it doesn't get better, that's likely something else is going on. So if you um, experience pain to that extent, um, then it's probably time to, yeah, go see uh, your healthcare provider and uh, try and figure out what's going on there. Um, so yeah, some of the things, so back to my Instagram stories, um, I asked some people what they do to try and um, reduce their cramps and had some really great things, um, you know, people using heating pads and specifically um, rice and flax pads. I had a flax heating pad when I was in uh, Canada and can use the microwave to heat it up, but that uh, I really loved that. And um, obviously rest, rest is a big thing. Doing pelvic steaming, if that's something you're interested in. Um, doing meditations, doing um, somatic practices, yoga practices taking herbs, um, changing the diet, reducing stress. Um, and for me, those are some of the things that have really helped me to reduce my own period pain. So um, after I came off of birth control, I would say my period pain was probably um, around uh, out of 10, I would probably say maybe it was around a six, um, sometimes possibly a seven. There was one time in particular, I was in the fetal position under, you know, my shower in my bathroom for a few hours because, um, I couldn't get up. So that would have been, you know, to the more extreme 10, but that's only one time I can remember in the last, um, yeah, in the last few years. So things I have done, um, I have, um, taken a, uh, what's that called? Oh yeah. A food sensitivity test. So I took a food sensitivity test and I have cut out, um, almost 100% all of the foods that were in my red list. I still have some things here and there. Um, but yeah, that's made a big difference. And I will be checking that again to see, you know, if my food sensitivities have changed, some things I have done is really focusing on um, self-care and reducing stress and resting more, resting more, especially the days before um, I reach day one. So I used to just plow on through the end of my cycle, 
And I had this mindset that was like, oh, I know my bleed is coming. I have to get everything done right now. And because I'm also a procrastinator, it would all of these things would pile up in the last couple of days of my cycle and I would try and get them all done. And I've gotten really, uh, I've gotten a lot better at letting those things go towards the end of my cycle and um, really following along with the energy of those last few days of my cycle to slow down, take time to rest. And then by the time day one comes, um, yeah, the pain is much, uh, much less and can sort of ease into it instead of be like, you know, um, stabbed with it right away, uh, as soon as it comes. And some other things I have done is meditation has been huge for, um, reducing my cramps, also meditating throughout my cycle, as well as doing meditations, um, while I am bleeding and um, a couple weeks ago, or possibly a month now, I uploaded a new meditation on Insight Timer that um, is specifically for while you're bleeding and surrendering into um, the pain, into your bleed, into your body at that time. So if that meditation is something you're interested in trying, you can jump on Insight Timer and uh, follow me over there. And then also practicing menstrual cycle awareness. That's probably um, the main thing, or it's more like the, the foundation. It is the, um, the practice that all other practices have come from because practicing um, menstrual cycle awareness has given me the ability to see those different places in my cycle um, and the needs that I need, the needs that I need, not the needs that I need, the needs that I have throughout the different um, phases and seasons of my cycle and um, really be in tune to what my body is saying on any specific day and knowing what then practices I need to support myself and my cycle in that. And um, the other thing that menstrual cycle awareness has taught me is sort of this um, going into the pain and um, allowing it to teach me. And I know that might seem really radical to some of you and might seem really beyond your capacity or ability. And so um, only, only allow this if it's, if it's comfortable for you. Um, one, of, one of my teachers, uh, Richard Rohr often says that one of the pathways to the divine is through suffering. He says the two pathways are either through great suffering or through great love. And um, I have time and time again found that through great suffering in my life, I have um, become closer with, with the divine, closer with you know, the soul of the world with the great spirit, with um, what is um, within me, my true self. And so practicing menstrual cycle awareness and allowing myself to feel that pain and ask the pain what it has to teach me has been a really um, profound practice. And in return, the pain, uh, the pain has reduced because I'm, it's, it's almost like I'm giving it a voice. I'm letting it, I'm letting it share. I'm letting, I'm listening to my womb deeply and I'm allowing it to teach me. So then 
um, you know, as time goes on, um, there's a, there's a trust there that it doesn't have to speak so loudly to me for me to listen. And that is, that is another aspect of this is that if your body is, uh, and your womb is speaking so loudly that you are crawling on the floor, that you're in the fetal position under the shower, then that's something you probably should listen to because that is something that there is, uh, that is a sign that is saying there is something else going on here. There is an invitation for you to enter into and whether that is um, physically through, um, you know, changes you need to make in your lifestyle, whether that is through your nervous system and changes you need to make with your stress patterns. Um, if that is, you know, more spiritual and you're invited into um, a deeper um, connection with uh, the divine. And uh, you're not going to know that until you really stop and listen to what, what that is. So I do, I will say that if it's possible for you um, to allow the pain to speak, even if it's just for a few minutes before you take the painkillers, you know, um, before you jump right into solving mode, there may be a, a piece, a kernel of truth, um, a golden nugget in there for you that uh, will reveal something. Mm. Yeah. And so the next point I want to make is saying that um, on, I see this a lot in, in the community of um, people working with menstrual cycles and with periods and, um, you know, in the world of coaching and uh, period coaches, cycle coaches, what, whatever it is, that there is sort of this idea that the perfect period means a pain-free period. And I think while, while yes, it can be a beautiful thing, I also think it could be a bit of, um, yeah, it can make people feel, feel bad about having um, period pain. It can make people feel like they're broken, that their body isn't, um, yeah, isn't supporting them when like, gosh, you're here, you're alive, you are listening to this, you are watching this, you are um, able to, yeah, use your, use your ears. You are able to breathe. Like your body is supporting you like in an amazing way right now. All of the intricate beauties and all of these um, intricate, you know, webs weaving together to bring you here in this moment. It has taken you so far and brought you here. So like you are not you're not broken and um, there's nothing to feel bad about um, by having period print. And I am saying this as much to you as I am to myself because that same story comes um, in for me when I see people, you know, finally, um, you know, congratulating and celebrating themselves for, oh, I've reached it. You know, I've reached the goal of having a pain-free period. And while that's like wonderful and fabulous for them, that is not the journey for everybody and everybody's journey is different. And um, the pain-free period is not sort of the lit litmus test that we all need to be working towards. 
um, and telling ourselves there's something wrong with us until we get there. And especially when we're experiencing a normal period pain, you know, like out of a 10, if you're experiencing pain, that's like one, two, possibly even three, you know, like that's normal. And that is your body. That's your prostaglandin. It's just working to, to shed your lining and the invitation to just rest into that and, um, continue, um, yeah, allowing the body to speak through that. And that is completely, completely normal and nothing to really worry about. You know, once you get to the stages of vomiting, passing out, not being able to walk, you know, taking the painkillers and they're not working like all of these things, then yeah, that's a time to really go and seek extra help, um, extra support for that, that process. But yeah, just really wanted to name, to name that, um, when you see people talking about pain-free periods, um, yeah, I hope you have that, that strength within you to know that you are not, um, broken. There's nothing wrong with you. If you still experience pain because I myself, um, in all of the, all, all of the non-hormonal years, you know, what, since I've been off birth control, um, I have not yet experienced a, a completely pain-free period. I have experienced periods that have been only, um, you know, a two, probably as low, as low as I have gotten and that have only lasted for about, um, an hour. So, um, yeah, there is, there's nothing, um, wrong with you if you're experiencing normal period pain. All right. So then like the last, the last question I ask people on Instagram is, have you ever been grateful for your period pain? And um, again, very surprised with this number, 88% of people said yes, and 12% of people said no. And so like 88% of the people have been grateful for their period pain. And I was so interested in why this number was high that I messaged people individually and asking them um, what it was. What is it about your period pain that you felt grateful for? And everyone, every single one of them came back. Everyone that responded came back with the same answer. And um, they all came back saying that period pain reminds me to rest, reminds me to put myself first, take care of my needs. And if that pain was not there, I might not listen and I might just work through it and keep going. And so that is the beauty of a cyclical body, right? The beauty that is built within our body to protect us from exhaustion and burnout is period pain. And the, the calling that it draws us to to go inside of ourselves because so much of our life can be focused on things outside of us, things that are happening around us to take the time to really um, build our inner awareness and tune inwards um, is not a regular part of a lot of our lives and in our culture. And so this, this time of bleeding and receiving period pain is actually a blessing that is allowing our inner awareness to grow if we take that time to listen and so and that's again coming back to that normal period pain not the 
um, secondary uh, severe pain that some people um, experience. But maybe there are some of you that are grateful for that as well, because it has you have opened yourself up and you have allowed yourself um, to learn from it as we are all on this journey of unlearning and learning together. Um, so I hope even if you know you can't um, discover a way to have a pain-free period, that you can at least begin to see that normal period pain as a gift and an invitation to come back within your body, to take the time you need to rest and really honor your cyclical nature. So I, yeah, I really am sending um, lots of love to all of you that have listened, to all of you that have period pain, that are on the, the journey of discovering what life looks like um, beyond period pain, what life looks like to allow your period pain to be your teacher. And yeah, invite you to um, come join me on Instagram, on Insight Timer, um, join my email list, and I will be um, sharing lots and lots of resources of how you can connect to your cycle and how you can connect to um, being grateful for the period pain you experience. So I would love to see you over there. Come say hello to me on um, any of those platforms. Send me a message, say hi. Let me know that you listened um, in today. And I am glad to be back here at Lunarscape. And hopefully I will be back much sooner than my last little break. So I will see you next time.